fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And today we have got a board game episode, and we're talking about worker placement games. Worker placement games. Yeah, so the uh, the second broadest category right after engine building, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a quote that's, if you want to design a game and have it be an easy design, make it a worker placement game. Yeah, it's definitely like, <laughs> that's, a really good, that's really good advice for all you board game designers out there. It's a really... I think it's a category where like it's very easy to do well. It feels like there's a lot. At least when I look at it, I'm like, there's a lot of really good, solid examples of like just good board game mechanics in worker placement games. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, <laughs> we've already started talking about. But before we get started talking more <laughs> about it, let's uh, let's talk about what we're drinking tonight. Dalton, what's on your flight? My flight. So tonight I am drinking um, Yellowstone Select. It's a straight bourbon whiskey, 93 proof. Um, so it's just about, fire in a bottle. It's fire in a bottle. It's oh, it's a lot more than I was expecting. Like when I took the first sip of it, I was telling you this before we started recording. But when I took the first sip of it, I was like, "That's a lot of burn. Like that's a lot more burn than I was really expecting." I wasn't able to find the mash. I'm curious. They must have a bunch of rye in it. I don't know how much, but that was like the first thing I got, and so it was actually like a bit unpleasant. Like it was like I didn't <laughs> like it, and then as I like continued sipping it, it was it got better, and so it's gotten to a point now where it's like, okay, I'm okay with this. You know, I don't. And it's like a 30, I think I got, it was like 33 or 35, something like that. So I didn't spend like a ton of money on it. So I'm not like too upset that like I don't quite like it a bunch. But as I started to like sip on it, it got like like a dried apple sort of taste um, or like cider or something like that. And it wasn't like very forward. Like I was still tasting like spice on the level of like burn. Fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just fire. <laughs> but, but that was like kind of coming through. And then I got sort of like what well, the bottle describes as caramel i would say is more like burnt sugar like you, you, got like, <laughs> you got like a burnt kind of like almost slightly acrid taste there's a reoccurring theme that i'm picking up here yeah that is, that is hot it's also uh just like some history on it yellowstone so it is in the beam family somewhere um, all of the all of the bourbons are all the yeah like. all the bourbons are i think this is like an offshoot it says limestone branch distillery um in lebanon kentucky um but i believe that that's operated by like beam family members so it's like maybe not in the core group but it's like they're in there somewhere but it's a really pretty bottle that's like why i picked it up i was like it's a pretty bottle it's got a pretty color it's almost like it's really light for a bourbon it's like uh like apple juice kind of color but it, and then it has a like good label and i was like oh it is a straight bourbon whiskey so like it's been aged at least four years because it's not showing me the age and um when i looked it up it's actually a, a blend afterward i looked it up it's a blend of four and seven year high rye bourbons oh interesting so okay. it does have the high rye and but, but it is blended and so Gotcha. Um, which doesn't necessarily mean, again, it, like going back to our whiskey episode, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means that they don't necessarily have like their own thing. Someone like actually desired this taste and they went out and made it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> so Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah. Yellowstone <laughs> Select. It's okay if you see it, if somebody offers it to you, I would take it, but I wouldn't probably buy a bottle for yourself. Oh. Uh, what about you? What are you drinking tonight? So I'm drinking the beer that I may have had the most of in my life. And that was concentrated to like one week in college. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm drinking a beer called Weemac from Sun King Brewery, which is right here in Indianapolis. Love Sun King. And done a brewery tour there. But what one of the things that we do in uh, college for seniors at the college that we went to is all the grades for graduating seniors are due before finals. Are mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Everyone else takes finals, so we have what's called a senior week, where you just kind of wait around until graduation. And we are because yeah, all the seniors don't take finals because all the grades are already entered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we uh, like our group kind of got together and like got a Wee Mac keg yeah. and drank that throughout the week. 
Um, <laughs> it was like it was surprisingly affordable, but it also wasn't the wisest choice for like the end of May to be drinking outside. <laughs> it's a little thick. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a heavy ale. It's a Scottish style ale, and so that means it's crazy. It originated in Scotland. Well, there you go. Yeah. So learning stuff today. Um, I think we talked about Scottish style ales a little bit with Robert DeBruce. So it's the yep. same type of beer as the Robert DeBruce that I had a couple episodes ago. But it's uh, it's fermented with ale yeast, originated in Scotland. It's less hoppy than what I normally like. So it's it's a IBU of 23, so it's pretty malty, mm. I would say. It, it's kind of like that caramel flavor. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a toffee, chocolate, caramel type dark beer like it's smooth it's a very smooth beer mm-hmm. that, that's kind of what i think of like scottish styles it's it's a very easy to drink mm-hmm. but it's like you also don't want to be out in 95 degree heat yeah going yeah. down a slip and slide drinking it yeah <laughs> yeah if it was like you know like 45 like fahrenheit you know we're talking about a scottish ale so i have to like specify that i am talking about fahrenheit where it's <laughs> like 45 fair, yeah. fahrenheit fahrenheit and like raining like this would be a great beer <laughs> you know kind of like comforting warm you up kind of thing i was looking it up online the ABV on this is like a 5.3, so it's not going to hit you in the face or anything, which is why, you know, it's yep. you know it's light. It's that smooth. It's the easy to drink. Well, yep. Then that's one of the reasons we picked it up for that week. But the uh, on, on the website, on the Sun King website, I looked it up, and it was like running through its stats, and it was in all IBUs, like ABV, and then it just said kegs available, colon, yes. So I was like, <laughs> oh, cool. That's good. That's good to know. Yeah. And then, um, just in case anybody wanted a keg of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's good to know that they are still available. Yeah. And so we talked about last episode, the the new, or, or not new, new to us measurement of kind of like measuring the color of a beer. Yeah. And yep. so that's called the SRM or the EBC, depending on if you're living in America or anywhere else in the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so what, what that is, basically a quick rundown just for maybe people who haven't heard the last episode. It's kind of like you, you measure how much light at a certain wavelength is lost when you pass it through a very small amount of the beer. The, the more light that is lost the darker the beer is which kind of makes sense right like right. light gets absorbed into like dark glass that's why sunglasses are a thing yeah uh, <laughs> and <laughs> Thanks, so sunglasses yeah and so like uh like the I, ipa that i normally am drinking that's like an srm of like six um just to kind of give you an idea a pilsner like so like a bud light or a cooler's light or something is like a two mm. and then like the imperial stout the darkest beer that you can think of is around a 40 yeah and so this this one's like a brown scottish style is kind of like a brown ale and so it's sitting they didn't actually have it online, and so I'm going off like my. I held it up to the chart. Oh, there you, you go. Yeah, yeah, which you're not supposed to do because you can change color on your screen. <laughs> and so <laughs> I know some people at work that would like literally kill me if I told them that I was doing this. Um, <laughs> but the uh, th- this one's sitting around like a 35. Okay. So yeah. it's kind of like right there in the middle. It's, you can't necessarily see through it unless you hold it up to the light. Yeah. 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 I could see that. That that makes sense. And it's not. But it's not like. It is. It's not totally like cloudy or opaque. Like you can see some light coming through it. Yeah. But like you said, you need like a backlight for it. If, when you're just like holding it there, it's like it's not quite a black hole. It just looks like a very very dark brown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely brown, not black. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No. But yeah, it's a really smooth one. You know, I'm just it's a good. It feels feels tonight. good. It feels feels good. Good. So you want to talk about what's been on our table? So we uh we kind of it's kind of like our first like on our table in a while that hasn't just been like hey we're recording at the end of a board game weekend Mm -hmm, and mm so so yeah we i mean we've been playing games uh, obviously but like uh so what's been we're not crazy we're not insane (laughs) (laughs) i have to do something with all this time i'm given on this exactly yeah (laughs) but what have you been playing so yeah so we we were hanging out 
Last weekend, we played a couple games. We played a, a lot of one game that I'm not sure I want to talk about because it, it was in preparation for an upcoming episode. So I think I'm just going to leave it at that, that we were, we were preparing for an upcoming episode. I have nothing to talk about now. You took my topic. Oh, really? <laughs> no, just kidding. Okay, good. <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel so bad. But we tried out uh, War of the Ring, uh, oh, which is yes. themed for Lord of the Rings. You may have been able to guess that based on the name. If you're an intelligent person. Oh, I see it now. Yeah. (laughs) It's all coming together. Yeah, no, that makes sense. We played, well, we like had it on the table for like six hours. We actually played it for like four because we didn't know how to play it. And so it took, first of all, it's a game that takes a lot of time to set up. It's like Axis and Allies. Yeah, it's like Axis and Allies, but you don't have differentiating figures. I mean, you do, but you can't tell them apart. (laughs) There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. But you, but I meant access and allies in in the sense that like you start with units on the board, like the board is pre-deployed for you. Yeah. Okay. Right. And there are other games that do that, but like that was the first one I ran into. So my mind always goes there. Um, And then it's, it's one V one. I think when I was like looking through the rules, I think there are ways to play it with like more than sort of co-op competitive, like access and allies. Like people play like, what are they called? Like the good people and like the shadow forces or something, I think. The free people and the free shadow people. forces. Yeah. yeah. I think you can split that up, but we just played it one-on-one, and I think that's the way the game is intended to be it, played. It, yeah. It's definitely... I don't know if I'd want to play it more than that. Yeah, I don't see really... It, it's not enough to like kind of justify that. Right. It's not yeah. a big enough board for one to like justify that. <laughs> so. And oh, know. you meant like the... Uh, okay. Sorry. I thought you meant like... I thought you were joking because the board, like actual physical size, is giant. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. the board is actually two boards that you put next to each other. It's it's, it's absurd. It's so, a huge board. You're right. So physically, the board is like enormous. But the map. Yeah, the map is not that big. Got it. Okay. Cool. Um, because like the spaces are fairly large on the board, and also like the contested area is fairly small. Like you actually only care about what would you say like 25 percent of the board, 35 percent of the board. I don't know. I think I played it really incorrectly. Well, maybe that's we both did, but. <laughs> But either way, we played for like four hours. It's like maybe like top of my list of like, I want to play this game again. Like I want to play it yeah. again immediately Yeah, because yeah, I yeah. loved it. Well, not like immediately, like right after the game because I had to go lay on the couch for two hours. That's true. Yeah, uh, I mean, we had to my decompress. head just was not working. <laughs> <laughs> but like I really wanted to try like uh, the free peoples because you both have, it was interesting. You have like similar but actually different victory conditions, right? Where the Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and so there's basically both of you have two conditions. One has to do with the one ring and the other one has to do with like conquest. Uh, of the board like owning a certain amount of it but the free peoples have to control less they have to control um what ends up being like four i don't remember what they call them, but victory points that are stronghold I think? yeah strongholds yeah that are and so sort of like uh, game of thrones in that way where there's like strongholds worth two victory points and like fortifications that are worth like one victory point and you have to control like 10 victory points worth if you're the bad guys if you're the good guys you need four and that makes sense because like the bad guys start with a bunch of stuff on the board a bunch of armies already on the board is sort of simulating that like sauron has been building up and the free peoples have been like Sticking around. I don't know what they've been doing. No, I don't think he's alive. No, there's no way. No, <laughs> there's no way. He's not back. No, 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 no. We beat him. There were like a couple of mechanics that I, uh, mainly the diplomacy mechanic, like the good guy had to like sort of force all of his nations to go to war. That was tough. That was tough. And I think I just played it incorrectly and like knowing it, I would know how to do that again. Yeah. But it was like, it felt like an action tax. Like it felt yeah. like the game forced you to pay actions to like do this. And the free people are already doing less actions. Alre- yeah, already doing less action. And it's like trying to like slow you down in like a weird way. I just didn't really understand it. I think I would have been fine with it if you could build defenses. Like it said, basically, if you weren't at war, you couldn't leave your territory and you couldn't build defenses. Like you couldn't right. build you couldn't units. Muster, yeah. You couldn't muster. You couldn't build units. And that was so limiting because it basically let me like sit on the outside of like uh, Rohan and just build an enormous force and then crash into it, right? And it's like I should be able to like look outside my borders and be like, "There's a bunch of baddies, right? Like, there's like trolls and orokai and shit. Like, I need, to, <laughs> <laughs> I need to like build some horsemen or something." No, it's fine. 
But like they're you, fine out there. You know that like scene in Helm's Deep where they pulled like the twelve year old kid and they give him a sword and a shield. It makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. yeah. You you gotta fight now. <laughs> I think one of the other mistakes that I made is I sent I sent Strider to go parlay with the dwarves up north and like completely removed him from Gondor, which is where he wants to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was fucking around. Up, yeah, that was bad. That was that was just that mountain. was just not a good call on my part. But he I thought he had like, to fight Smaug and actually <laughs> that's, the pre- yeah, that's my, the I had my timelines mixed up. It's not. <laughs> my fault <laughs> that's what happened it was interesting because i don't typically think i would like this in a game but all the action cards that you have in the game so you draw like uh two you draw from two different decks of action cards and yep. they they're dual purpose cards which i always like yeah so they can have an event or it can be used in a battle and so those are two different texts on the card the cards kind of divided in half and those cards just felt super thematic so like one of them was like if gandalf the white is in play and you have someone in fangorn you can have treebeard attack isengard and it's just like okay i'm gonna do that because i want to do that but like they just felt like super thematic and like fun and like immersive absolutely yeah it it definitely hit the experience like nail on the head yeah for sure and you pointed out like i thought this was like it, it was such a good point where because the action cards are so thematic and they're actually very powerful typically there are situations specifically for the free peoples like they they were i think more powerful than like the dark the shadow forces actions at least the ones we saw yeah at least the ones we saw and but the deck is huge we maybe only got like a third of the way through each deck or something yeah. like that yeah there, there's a lot to go but they actually create replayability because they're powerful enough that what like you want to go after and like force them to happen like you want to get Gandalf the white and you want to get some dude in Fangorn so that like you specifically can summon Treebeard or whatever like that's like worth going after and they're powerful enough to impact the strategy that you have as the free people and I think that's kind of where the game creates replayability because otherwise it's essentially a game of chess right yeah you know because it's like set up the same way and like you're rolling some dice and like that's um that is kind of all you get um, except for these action cards I thought that was such a cool way to kind of create that yeah I do I do think that the free people are the more interesting side to play yeah because one of the victory conditions that you know we, we mentioned that you have to control four points of territory right but the other way that the uh the free people can win is they can get the fellowship which is dictated by a token on the board to mount doom so they can destroy the ring of power surprise whoa yeah spoiler <laughs> alert yeah <laughs> but so wish i knew that starting in the game <laughs> <laughs> And I, I really liked that because the other way that the free people can lose is Sauron can corrupt the Fellowship, the Ringbearers. Right. Gotcha, bitch. Yeah. You no, know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. It's one of those. I just, I want to play that game again. For sure. For right? sure. We just got to switch. So we yeah. can. Like, oh, yeah. See. Absolutely. Yeah. We have to switch and then switch back and then switch and then. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll see. We'll keep playing. But for sure. So, yeah, that's what I've been playing. <laughs> Something <laughs> we too. played together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you? What's been on your table? So, I, I also have played a lot of the uh, game that must not be named. <laughs> for the upcoming episode <laughs> yeah but i've actually been wanting to go through this but i have kept maxing out my time on all of my what's been on my tables recently oh. but i want to go through i want to revise my top five and oh, so let's do it yeah let's do it okay so the first two have not changed so number one and number two is terraforming mars and gaia project respectively awesome yep okay. number three this is off to a really bad start by the way this is not exciting and there it's so far we're just the same the last the, the last three are different there we go 60%. yeah <laughs> yeah 60%. so that's a high f yeah 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 i'm actually i'm completely joking like for for well i don't remember when the last time we recorded our top five was i think it was like two three months ago so for three of them to have shaken up since then and your top five that's actually that's pretty impressive you've been playing some good games it's not like a real lie it's just like a white lie Uh because one of them's the same it just moves spaces oh that's fine yeah so (laughs) so number number three is the game that shall not be named which is spirit island 
Uh, so that, that has moved up. Uh, we've been playing a lot of the Jagged Earth expansion, which is just yeah. fantastic expansion. I mean, awesome. absolutely amazing expansion. Move that up to three. And then I had Game of Thrones and Scythe were also in my top five when yes. we did the initial episode. Game of Thrones has fallen off because I realized I don't necessarily love dudes on a map games okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> as much as Fair. like the Euros, the engine builders and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then Scythe, we, we put it on the five by five. And I will say the last game that we played, I liked it a lot more, but I, I had fallen out. I like I didn't love Scythe as much as I liked it. Yeah. Was the last game ago. you played, was that the seven person game we played on, at our Gen Con? No, me and my wife played okay. um, a couple of days ago and I played Polania, the white faction. Oh, I love Polania. They're yeah. so much fun to play. And I really They're the ones that, that get like two. Yep. Yeah. They, they get to take two of the three like actions or events or whatever on the like. I think they're called event cards or they're event they're, cards. Yeah. Yeah. Event cards. And that's like, it's just really fun to do. You're running around the map trying to find them. And yeah. yep. like in, in thinking about Scythe and researching it, and we'll do a Scythe episode at some point. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. Cause it, there's a lot to unpack strategy wise in Scythe. But what I've heard is always get the star on your movement. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Cause yeah. it's like that you're going to have to take that, like every other action, every third action, it's going to have to be a move. So you may as right. well get the star. Yep. Yeah, it was a really close game. I think it ended, I won with 92 in small, or my wife had 87. Okay, gotcha. Um, Certainly, we've talked a bunch about Scythe, which is actually where on your list now? Four. Four, okay. No, no, actually it's six. That's right. It's the one that bumped off. Whoops. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so so the two new ones on the list, uh, we had talked about that Brass Birmingham was flirting with that top five. It's actually moved into number four. Awesome. That's a phenomenal economic game. It's actually taken over Terraforming Mars as the, uh, the third best board game geek game oh i didn't see that that's yep. really cool so it, it, it's uh, gloomhaven pandemic legacy season one used to be terraforming mars then brass and those have flipped in the last uh probably four or five months gotcha and so and i can see that i can see how especially the community at board game geek would enjoy brass birmingham more than terraforming mars it's a much more yeah. like you can plan out it's a it's a little bit less random Gotcha. But phenomenal game. I love that game. And then number five is still one that is kind of, it, it's just going to be shifting based on what the last one I've played. Mm. But I think right now um, it's Underwater Cities. Really? Yeah. And so, especially with the new expansion, um, Underwater Cities, we'll talk about a little bit more because it has it is worker a placement. placement. Yep. Um, and But it's a worker placement, action selection, and you're building cities underwater. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's a really, really good game. The other two that are kind of flirting with that are Great Western Trail, which is a right. newer game to me. I, I love everything about that game. Right. <laughs> like right. there's not a mechanism that I don't enjoy. Yeah. Um, deck building, engine building, action selection. It's just yeah. It great. seems like a game that was like made for you. That was just yeah. tailor made. It's just took <laughs> all your favorite mechanics and jammed yep. them into a game. Yep. And then um, the, the, the last game that's kind of flirting with it and I think could probably take over Underwater Cities um, if once I play it more is Zulkin. Wow, yeah. really? Yeah, Zolkin is phenomenal, and we will talk about it more later in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I promise you that. <laughs> it's to come. Yeah. Awesome. Keep Stay around and keep listening. So <laughs> there's that little, like, cast cast, cast the line. Yeah, cast Real the line. <laughs> yeah. I'm if they haven't you. turned off already. Yeah, if somebody made it this far, you should listen to the end just so you can hear about Zulkin. So, uh, Icebreakers. Icebreakers. Want to talk about Icebreakers? Yeah, so let's do an Icebreaker. Uh, our last episode where we were talking about kind of like the narrative arc or the story arc, we, we had an Icebreaker from my wife, and she asked, uh, what is a book you will want to see turn into a TV show or a movie with an unlimited budget? Yeah, um, which, which is I a thought very was fun a, question to think through. Yeah, and a lot of people on Instagram like responded either – with an answer or without an answer saying this is a good question like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And so the other interesting thing, because I put it out to Instagram and we're going to read all some of those responses, we did not get a single duplicate response. Wow. Yep. That's impressive. Yeah. And we got a lot of responses. That's to this extremely one. impressive. Yeah. And I think it was kind of what we talked about a little bit before is all the really popular ones are taken. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it and kind so, of forces you outside of like Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. yeah. This was also just another really good way to ask for recommendations. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take some notes, guys. So so let's run through it. So uh, my wife answered, and hers was uh, Ender's Game round two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we want to redo Ender's Game. Again. <laughs> another one. <laughs> another one. This time better. Yeah. March 16 said Heroes of Olympus, which is a Percy Jackson sequel series. Okay. And he also said Mistborn. So I guess that is a duplicate they, of what I said. Did they? Because they did Percy Jackson, right? I don't know if they did the they whole tried. thing. They tried. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. I, thought they I, I heard it, it wasn't great. Okay. Yeah. I don't know anything. I've never read the books or seen the movies. So. Uh, the Gaming Manual said Old Man's War or Punch Escrow. I love Old Man's War. Okay. That's a great book. Good. That one's really cool. That one's like the idea of it is that a, a group, basically, basically in order, humans are, it's at a galactic scale and humans are the way that they kind of make their super soldiers is they take old men and they sort of transmute their consciousness into like you super told me soldier about this. Yeah. yeah okay yeah, it's that one that does sound really cool yeah it would be it would be pretty neat i think as a movie okay it would have to be done right <laughs> but i like all, all the, i think i'm going to say that on almost all of these but because i'm jaded <laughs> <laughs> exactly but good recommendation board game jer who is the guy who asked us about the uh rule book slash watching video rule. oh yeah yeah, yeah last week yeah um he, episodes ago. yeah he said blood-sucking fiends are lamb and I, I don't not, know them. Yeah, I'm not I'm not familiar with those. Mobius Dice said Cthulhu Mythos, which I think would be awesome. Oh, that would be like, really cool. Not, yeah, just like that dark, like HBO Cthulhu. Yeah. Like, let's do that. Like, yeah. I would be all about that. Yeah, that's a good one. Take Just make a, like, a version of the board game playthrough, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Kiefer said Children of Huron, which is the Tolkien. Um, it's Tolkien's other work. That's right. That's right. Which I think would be really cool. I hear that's a pretty messed up tale. Really? Yeah. I don't know anything about it yeah. other than like he did it. Yeah, I, I've heard that. Kim Beloff said Saga. Have you heard of Saga? It's, no. It's a, other than like books or sagas sometimes. Yeah. He, well, it, he described it to me as a very not safe for work space opera. Okay. <laughs> cool. And then D20 Woodworking. This is the one I'm most excited about. Okay. Uh, said Malazan. Okay. Have you heard of this? No. I'm, you're right. We're getting so many good recommendations. Thank yeah. you, guys. And so we talked about this, um, about this book, and it's... It looks like a more complex Game of Thrones, where wow, it's like my brain hurt just. <laughs> <doing that. laughs> yeah, so it's the third permit. Uh, it's the third person limited. Yeah, where it's telling multiple different storylines and how they interact, and okay. he, like it looks amazing. The, there are ten of them, and the uh, the audio books, all ten of them, total to sixteen days, five hours, and eight minutes. Jeez, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah, because that's a commitment right there. <laughs> yeah, because they average about forty hours a book. Wow, holy cow! What's it called again? Uh, Malazan. I think Malazan. I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, it's just a bunch of A's. You're right. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's just A's broken up by consonants. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess it's called Malazan Book of the Fallen. It's okay. like the full title. Very but cool. That that is one that when I have time, at some point in my life, so <laughs> yeah, I'm struggling with this only because I've always said that like. I, I would read Wheel of Time when I got time in my life to read Wheel of Time series. Right? <laughs> so when you have more time. Right, exactly. I don't know if this one is second in line or something, but either way, thanks for the recommendation. Good job, Nelson's wife. Yeah, go, <laughs> go, go Nelson's wife. <laughs> so you ready for this week's icebreaker? Yeah, this week's icebreaker. Let's get into it. So this one uh, is from Amram, who is a repeat. So yeah. 
Uh, we're working our way through Amram's icebreakers. He said, what's your number one competitive board game to introduce to new players for the best experience? So this is this is kind hmm. of similar to his last one, which is what, what was the number one cooperative board game for new players right so i'm sure i think he submitted these at the same time oh, <laughs> i would yeah, not be surprised but number one competitive board game for new players for the best experience and that's a hard question because like you can have a really poor experience in a competitive game right that was one thing we said about like cooperative games is like really great for new players specifically because you're not eliminating them from the game or like making them feel really far behind and i guess like how co- like when you say competitive do you mean like not cooperative, or do you mean like cutthroat competitive? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I would interpret the as not cooperative. That was my that was my gut feel. It is kind of an interesting question of like, but I think like the other side of that question of like one where you are directly against somebody leads us strictly into like dudes on a map type games. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. there's not a lot of. I mean, there are other genres, but there's not a lot of games that fit outside of that one. You know, like four X and some other ones, but it's like those are typically not like a good thing to introduce somebody to in the first game because they can be eliminated from the game. Um, so I would say anything that's not cooperative, any sort of engine builder or something like that would fit, and that would be fine. So are you thinking Agricola or Food Chain Magnate? I'm thinking neither of those. I don't what? know how you... <laughs> <laughs> we just got off. We're out of sync here. It's the only time I'm going to win in those games. <laughs> it's <laughs> someone who doesn't one. know the rules. Ha! <laughs> got him! <laughs> Suck it, guys. So I'll go first, I guess. I, I think I, I think primarily of like my family, like my extended family. Those are the people that I kind of introduce board games too most frequently okay, yeah, yeah. um because that like board game nights and stuff it's like typically i mean sometimes there's like one person who's new right but like typically it's like people who have already played board games um so they're like the things that immediately come to mind Catan's like the easy go-to that was the first game that yeah. i introduced my yeah. that's like one of the standard i think gateway games right where it's yep there's not a ton to do on your turn like you roll some dice and then you buy something right so it gives you it kind of like shrinks your action making for you it makes things simple it's easy to approach there's like a little bit of randomness there's like the fun of like buying and selling resources amongst the other players like trading right so it feels kind of social right very easy to just like bring somebody into so like that one comes to mind i've introduced a lot of my family to splendor i was ready to hear that one from you (laughs) yeah yeah we played a lot of splendor and it's it's similar in that like it, it again it kind of like shrinks the decision making for you but it has maybe just a little bit more of like a strategy feel where like if you get to the end and you do well in splendor it feels like you kind of earned it yeah right? that well, is like, true Catan sometimes i know you can play Catan competitively theoretically but like there, there, <laughs> i don't I, I i'm not joking like there are places where you can enter Catan competitions yeah what baffles me is that the same people keep winning the tournament so it is it is a strategic game that, yeah i just don't know how to play it apparently i just yeah i don't <laughs> get it but um but like at, at i probably uh, should stop drinking while i'm playing that Oh, that might help. No, no, no. I can't not do that. <laughs> sorry. I, I keep have to cutting you off. I, I, I do this to you in like every other episode. That's so I, you're just cashing in on built-up karma. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> um, but yeah, Splendor is like, because it doesn't have that element of like trading, it doesn't have the element of randomness of drawing the dice or rolling the dice. It, it feels like you kind of earned your win a little bit more, at least at the like basic entry level. And so I think it's easier for people to like, kind of walk away like okay i, I kind of get it i could see how that w- i can see the appeal of that to a board game and it can kind of like be that gateway right it can bring them into exploring higher level games because they like played this game that had some strategy that w- they weren't used to it they got the feel of building an engine and they're like oh i kind of see how that would be fun right so i splendor's a good go-to for me i think this one counts and if it doesn't i i have a second one Okay. But I think Between Two Cities. So, like, Between Two Cities is a drafting game where you're building a city with each of your neighbors. Yeah. And so, at least for new gamers, and you have to strategically place the new player in between people that aren't going to just alpha game them. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, so because you're not building your own thing, you can, you literally have someone who's there to explain the rules to you. Right. Like if you have questions or something like that and you can walk you through it. Right. And you know, you have seven tiles and you pick two of them. So, right. you know, it, it's, it's not a lot of decision space there. For and then sure. you flip them up and then you get to decide what, if you're building it on your city to your left or your city to your right. Right. And so, like, it plays up to, I think, eight. Okay. So, like, it plays a lot. It's, like, stepping into the shallow end of competitiveness because you do technically have two allies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and but so you're competing against everybody else. You're competing against everyone else at the table. Yeah. It also, like, it introduces you to drafting, which is an important mechanic, and it introduces you to set collection as a victory point mechanic, which yep. is also very important. Yep. But it's also, like, pretty simple. It's pretty easy to get your head around... Um, there's a little reminder cards that are like pretty easy to read. I think this is like our most talked about lowest ranked game. You know? <laughs> yeah. Where like, it's not like, I, I always wonder like, why isn't Between Two Cities ranked like way higher than it is? Yeah. It's even Stonemeyer. Yeah. It's even Stonemeyer. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do, I do really like the game. It's a really good recommendation there. So yeah, I think that's my recommendation just because it's kind of like one. that crutch I like to that. get into it. You know, outside of Food Chain. Yeah. Outside <laughs> of Food Chain. That would be first, but this is yeah. a, this If is If I have to choose a second. If I'm, my arm is pulled, yeah. So uh, let's kind of like ease into the topic with the Face Off Friday that we did last week. Cool. And so this one, I actually went and I picked out the top two highest ranked worker placement games on, on, on BGG. BGG. Yep. Okay. And so I already know your answer because I know you have not played one of them. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like trying to think of like what the two of them were. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, a- that, that's my question to you. What are the two? Yeah. What, what are, are the, the two? two? I don't know. I don't know that like BGG top 50 like you do, but I'm trying to like think through what they could be i feel like one of them might be castles of burgundy that's like 14 15 something it's like in the teens so that one might make I a didn't run at it count castles oh because of the, it's the dice yeah 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 okay that's fine i'm still right but <laughs> <laughs> no you are because one of them is uh i think 21 one's like 21 yeah okay i don't think i'm gonna get it then to be honest let's see i'm, I'm even trying to just think of like any really highly ranked one of them i'm Actually, no, wait, no. One of them I do know. One of them is Robinson Crusoe. No. What? Rob- Robinson Crusoe is like 100-something. No, it's not. Yeah. That's a goddamn shame. <laughs> <laughs> then BGG's wrong. <laughs> that game is a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck your question. I just know where it is on my shelf, because my shelf is in BGG order. It's like oh, on that's third, funny. It's on like the third row. Oh, I thought that was way higher. That's really funny, actually. Is it? Is it like Agricola? Is that one of them? Nope. Viticulture. Yes, Viticulture. That's it. Yeah, Viticulture's in there. Viticulture's right, I got one, one, I'm done. I, I guess like four or five, and I got one right, so it's now like the, I'm out. It's the Lego movie, Batman. First try. <laughs> First try. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one of them's Viticulture. What's the other one? Uh, Feast for Odin. Oh, yeah, I have not played that. So, I really wanted to. I hear really yeah, good things. Yeah, so but. Feast for Odin is also UA Rosenberg, who did Agricola. Okay. Um, and he did Caverna. He, he's like well-known for his work. Well, he's well-known, but he also mm-hmm. has puts out really, really good uh, worker placement games. Mm-hmm. He also did a game, and I don't know if you played this called Patchwork. No, I, I know about Patchwork. Yeah, so Patchwork it. is a two-player game where uh, you're taking, you're making a quilt, gotcha. and however many spaces you leave open are like negative victory points, gotcha. and all of that. So Feast for Odin combines. I'm probably gonna get murdered for saying this. Feast for <laughs> Odin combines Agricola with Patchwork, where okay. it's a worker placement game where you're, you're you're a Viking and you're gathering resources to fill up a grid, um, and all the resources that you're gathering, like you're getting cows and they're a certain shape, and you're trying to cover up as much of your grid mm. as possible. Yeah, and cool. so I've never I've not played it either, but it's one of those that I wanted to buy. 
Yeah. Or wanted to try. Yeah, for sure. I, I probably will buy it at some point, let's be honest. I have a problem. You'll probably, <laughs> probably trade for it, at least. Yeah. So they're, they're right next to each other. Viticulture is 21 on BGG. Uh, Feast for Odin is 22. Mm. Fair enough. All right. Uh, cool. So anyway, so you asked this question to Instagram. Yeah, I asked this question to Instagram, and it was a 62-38 split to Viticulture's... Wow. Viticulture like or they People like Viticulture more than Feast for Odin. That is a lot. I think it's because... So Viticulture is ranked higher. But I think it's kind of the same thing that, you know, we have, we've played Viticulture. More people yeah. have played Viticulture. I, I, w I was going to say that same thing. I think uh, the other thing that may bias it is that, like, you specifically play a lot of Viticulture, which means you post on your Instagram Viticulture pictures, which means fair. that people start following <laughs> you if they like Viticulture. Yeah. And we've never played a piece for Odin. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is really true. And it's also, I think, it's easier to get into Viticulture because Viticulture is... 50 60 dollar game or a feast for odin's a hundred dollar game yeah that's a good point yeah so um, but but anyways let's anyways. talk about worker place <laughs> let's talk about worker place. <laughs> we're already guys. talking about it let's actually talk about it yeah so what's your definition for worker placement dalton right so i think the main thing about worker placement games is the feeling that you are action drafting right and, and so there, there's a couple different ways that you can action draft worker placement is a type of it um, and so the idea here is i have multiple actions available to me um, and I'm I'm pick, picking my action in in worker placement games specifically like by placing a a meeple or a token or a, or or something to signify that I have taken this action. Um, the other thing that would be important there is that now I have that I have taken that action. There's some sort of exclusivity to that where I'm either preventing other people from taking that action or or maybe by some extent making it harder for them. Maybe they have to pay a price to pay to play where I have already played. It, it could be like viticulture, right, where you have like your regular size meeple and you're like one big meeple that like you can do that one time and kind of take an action that's already taken, something like that. So there's that exclusivity to where I'm now like I'm taking an action and specifically preventing other people from taking that action. And then the last thing I think that kind of helps define maybe this is not a strict definition, but kind of a feel of worker placement is that in, in any game, I, I uh, maybe I shouldn't say any game. You, you should never talk in a, a, absolutes, right? <laughs> Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Only That's an a absolute. <laughs> <laughs> that statement. The prequels is another episode. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> the, but uh, I would say almost, almost any game, especially like engine builders, things like that. You are either going to be scarce in resources or scarce in actions. And worker placements are almost always scarce in actions. Yeah. yeah where yeah. if you had an infinite number of actions, you could break the game in a worker placement. Right. Yeah. What yeah. is limiting you is the number of workers you have. What I think is key there is that you're either taking the action so that other people cannot take the action or it costs more for that person to take the action. Right. Or like in the sense of viticulture, you have to use a your your one you only get one grande meeple that can yeah. take any action. Right. And so that that's a grande cost. means big. Yes. We talked about that in a couple episodes ago. <laughs> when we talked about El Grande. <laughs> yes. The big. The big. <laughs> <laughs> this is the genre that I did not like until I played more. Yeah. For I, sure. I like I if you had asked me a year and a half ago, like, if do you like worker placement games? I would have said no. And now they're yep. some of my favorite games. Just, mm. like, I think, and I don't know if that's just I'm playing better worker placement games. Right. Or just the more I play them, the more I see the tactics that are involved in worker placement. Right. Uh, which really makes sense. And that's another thing that worker placement really lends itself to is the inherent tactics that are built into the game. Mm. Where if I take this action and Dalton can no longer take that action, you have to make a tactical decision at that point. To right. try and figure out what your best. Yeah, thing what is. am I like flexing into? And so it makes it feel like it has the elements that we like about engine builders, except for that is that one element of player interaction, where now we have an overlap of there's something that both of us want to do that only one of us can do. 
Yep. And I think that's one of the, you just hit on one of the areas where I think engine <laughs> builders, worker placements struggle with is player interaction mm. outside of the collective board actions that you're taking where you're placing a meeple to take that action. A lot of worker classic worker placements struggle in the player interaction. Yeah. And it, maybe that's, that's cause they feel like they've already checked the box a little bit. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. But like Agricola is that where like yeah, for sure. the only player interaction that you have, unless you're playing there's, there's like a deck of cards, which like increases the player interaction, but like, okay. Um, with the like base standard game kind of thing, base game type of thing, the only player interaction that you're having is, is that spot taken or not? Yeah. And right. which can be And Agricola nice. specifically feels like there's enough spots. There, there's yeah. more spots than actions total in the game. Yeah, and Agric not all worker placements are that way, but yeah. that one specifically feels that way. Agricola is an interesting one because every single round there's a new action you can take. Yeah. Which I think is a really interesting mechanism. And and like I, I really like that. And one of one of the things that I really like about worker placements is how valuable an action is and how that value can vary over time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, like, in Agricola, the first thing that you want to do is get that wood. Um, like, you need wood at the beginning yeah. of the game, yeah. right? But towards the end of the game, you don't necessarily need that much wood. So, with Agricola, you're adding resources to each action slot. So, the, you can take the action that gives you three wood mm -hmm. at the start of the game. If no one takes that action, you add three more wood, and now that action is worth six wood. Yeah. And at the beginning of the game, you're probably going to get six wood, like, you're going to take that action because yeah. that helps build the engine. Right. Whereas um, in the later rounds, that's probably going to pile up to 9, 12 wood uh, right. before someone takes before it. Before someone takes it. But I think that's a really good question to force to the players, right? I think actually probably more worker placements games could take advantage of that. The idea of adding some sort of benefit to taking an action that, that was not taken in previous rounds. And Agricola does it extremely well. And there are like... Th that... First of all, that is an, a mechanism that appears in other... Twilight Imperium has that mechanism, yep. right? Where you're like trying to draft your strategy cards and it's going to put money on them if they're not taken. Not Twilight Imperium is not a worker placement game, but it has... <laughs> not at all. But it has that feeling of... No, it's a dude's on a map game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 4X game is what it is. But it has that feeling of... It, I guess the most overlap you could have is that it feels like you're action drafting, right? Because you have this option of which strategy card you're going to take. And so you're kind of drafting that action. Right, and so it, it's kind of it's like a cousin. That specific mechanism is a is a cousin to worker placement games. I, I think that that forces players into a spot where you are choosing between two actions that you really should do, and this one action that you're considering because there's like twelve resources on it, and you're like, I don't know if I can let that buy. Yeah, no, yeah, and that that's really interesting because it's kind of like this is good for me now. This is going to be really good for me later. Yeah, and that's another interesting that I've I've another interesting thing that I have found in playing more worker placements game is the timing of when you take those actions because typically mm -hmm. you have more actually i i think i would almost exclusively say that you have more than one action or have the ability to get more than one action in a worker placement game right if you have one action that i don't know if i consider that a worker placement game i think that's fair yeah so yeah. It, um, that's more of like what are you doing on your turn you know? yeah 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 i'm taking this action right uh so may, right. maybe whatever it, uh, it can work probably in like a very simple game like i can think of like um imhotep okay uh, yeah, yeah you know like Have you played that? yeah i've actually played a decent bit okay. it, it was a game that like my my group at work my friend group at work uh we used to like go to a board game it, it 
they're they are like a, a game store, but they're also a bar. Like the, it's sort of like a almost like a coffee shop. Like there's sort of sandwiches oh, okay, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. beer and stuff. Yeah. You go and then they have this library of board games. He's pulling off the shelf. Cool. Yep. We would pull Imhotep all the time because okay. it was like one of the better gateway games that they had like available there. Cool. That okay. were like wasn't Catan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, we were tired of playing it. Um, but on that one, you just like place a stone on like that's your turn, right? But there are also like you you take a lot of turns in that game. Um, there's a very fast turnover. It's kind of the way that it makes the game entry level um, but there's like five four or five things to choose from and i think the timing on when you choose what is really critical yeah because i i have fallen into the trap and i try not to now and i think this is where some more of the little player interaction comes into play is like if i'm looking at what i need and we're just going to keep referencing agricola because we've already kind of talked about it yeah if i know that i need to read and there's two read out there i'm playing a one-on-one game with dalton dalton does not need the read there's no reason for me to take the read first. Mm, right. Yep. And that that's something that I have struggled with with worker placements. It's like, oh, I know I need that. I might as well take it. Where oh, it's like, yeah. if Dalton's not going to take it, I'm going to look and see if there's something that Dalton may take that I can take first. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that that's another thing that kind of like adds into that little complexity puzzle yeah. of that's going to be out there for my last action. I may as well take it for my last action. Yeah. You can get burned on that. You definitely can. <laughs> but, definitely can. Cause you're like, Oh, I really needed that. And I didn't take it. And now someone else took it just to fuck with me. Cause yeah, they're an asshole. Yeah. And so that we don't play with them, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there's, um, there, there's, that's a really good point. There's two things I want to comment on there. The first one about Agricola, we, we, I think we bring it up because it's one of the most famous worker placement games, right? Where it's, yeah. it's, I don't know if it, it's not the original, like it's not like nope. that old, but it but it's very famous and it is older, and so it just comes up a lot in these conversations. But then the other thing that I wanted to mention there is that all the thing that you kind of highlighted there in your last point is that I couldn't, I at least I think all I couldn't think of one, most if not all, just to not speak in absolutes like a Sith. Worker placement games have a sort of first player mechanic that I think yep. that's kind of a that's kind of a trademark or something that you're like, oh, this is probably a worker placement game if it has a way to buy or acquire being first player for the next round because they are all action scarce and they're all action exclusive. And so the ability to pick your action first is almost always important. And so they make it a game mechanic instead of just rotating. And typically in order to get that, at least in a lot of the games I've played, it takes an action to mm-hmm. get that first. And it, if it's not an action, it's like bidding on it, like purchasing yep. it. And yeah. some sometimes there's no benefit, but usually it's like a diminished benefit right. to going first. So like in Agricola, you can take right. the first player action and you can play a minor improvement. Whereas right. like yeah, it's kind of like a shitty action paired with you get you first get first player. player. Yeah. Yep. And so yeah, I th- that that's a really good point. Yeah. Is there there has to be a way for people to get first player because you can't just like have one person always go first. Yeah. Because sure. that kind of breaks the game. For so sure. you talked about it. Agricola is not the first worker placement. It feels like it. <laughs> it feels like it, but I looked it up. Okay. And yep. it's actually, uh, it's a debate online. What is the first worker <laughs> placement game? Okay. So I think the one that actually technically came out first is a game called Bus. And like B-U-S? B-U-S. Okay. <laughs> it's by the same people who did Food Chain Magnate. Oh, wow. Um, and it is. Wait, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, like, they're like a 25-year company, 30-year company or something? Yeah, they're old. Yeah, they're, they're old. They're, they're really old. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so Bus came out in 1999. Okay. Um, and Bus is it's like a kind of a route building. It's a pick up and deliver, but you're placing actions so that you can take them later to move people around the city. And it's notoriously cutthroat. Um, okay. Because it's splatter. Uh, all of, all of I only know games. the of two games that they made. <laughs> yeah. Um, all of their other ones are pretty cutthroat as well. Gotcha. Um, but it, it, I like them. <laughs> I like what you're doing. Yeah. I wouldn't want to sit in on a board meeting. 
<laughs> There's a lot of backstabbing going on. <laughs> but yeah, so so bust is one of those that it's kind of like I think it's one of the lower complexity splatter cool splatter spelling or whatever they're called. Okay. Uh but the one that I'll put it in the show notes and uh, <laughs> yeah. everyone will think we'll smart. It's fine. But then the one that actually the the other debate is okay, so so the debate online is if bus is actually a worker placement and oh, the one that okay. kind of t- coined the term is a game called Kalos, yeah which came out in 2005 have you played Kalos? Okay. uh no but it came up in my in my research so Kalos came out in 2005 and it's a um it's and that's a, the one like the when i looked at when i look at the box of Kalos, it looks like agricola <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> it's a it's a early it's like that one agricola and game. like yeah and like caverna <laughs> like they all look the same <laughs> yeah. there's a there's it's a <laughs> yeah yeah they just all kind of look the same but yeah, so Kalos is a game where it's kind of an interesting action me- mechanism where people can take multiple actions as they catch up to you. Oh, um, cool! Type thing, and it was just actually re-implemented this year with, by a game called Kalos thirteen oh three, and so that the is that one, like a date. Yeah, yeah. Like thirteen. Oh wow, yeah. they specifically they're like you know what thir- <laughs> Kalos thirteen hundred not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it did fall. It came out in two thousand five, and very cool. Like for people that have played games from 2005 typically they're not as polished as the games that are coming out now yeah right for sure things just get better over time yeah um we're in the renaissance that's yeah, what yeah yeah and what ooh, some some people some listeners are gonna be mad that i just said that <laughs> that games will get better over time <laughs> <laughs> um specifically my cousin uh <laughs> but but kalos 1303 kind of polishes up kalos so it's cool. it's the revised edition yeah very cool. and so i think a lot of people have said that that is there are two schools of thought, but it's kind of like one of those, you own one, you don't need to own the other. But that, that was kind of the, like yeah. you said, the first worker placement. And I was there like, oh, go. I looked that one up. Yeah, yeah let's talk go. about that. A little history lesson for y'all. Let, let's hop into recommendations. Yeah, Let, let's Let's talk it. about recommendations. And if we have some more stuff that we want to talk about with worker placement, they'll come up in, in the recommendations. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll give you the same thing because I think I've played a little bit more worker placement games than you have. <laughs> uh, but so you're going to give me the, the honor of going first. So I, I, I will s- give you the option, which you gave me during the dudes on the map game which is do you want to go first or second oh i'll go first i'll definitely go first (laughs) the low complexity and the high complexity yeah i'll take low complexity and high complexity okay yeah you'll take the medium so what is your low complexity suggestion for worker placement games it would definitely be imhotep which i i just talked about a minute ago and actually like when i was looking into that game it's not as highly ranked on board game geek as like some of the other recommendations that we make but i think that that game is clean i think you're basically the way it works is that you're kind of building uh, ancient Egypt, right? So you're building the pyramids, you're you're building obelisks, that sort of thing. But the way that it works is like you are a quarry miner kind of thing, and so you get to place your uh, stone on a on different boats, and these boats will then kind of go to different ports, and at that port they build a, spe- a specific sort of monument, right? So this port builds the pyramid, this port builds the builds the obelisk, this one builds the tombs or whatever. The person who kind of gets to a certain fill level on the boat is the person who gets to move the boat and decide what port it goes to. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. And so like on your action, you're basically just placing on a boat. Like that's all you're doing. Except for that, like you as a player want to end up at pyramid, right? And that has a certain scoring mechanism or you want to end up at the obelisk and that has a certain scoring mechanism. And so it ends up feeling like set collection. It's not, it's not set collection, but in the way that like I am placing, I'm trying to place my workers at the, obelisk because i want to be the tallest obelisk okay you know that's where i want my stone to go and like everybody's stone just gets placed as like one block and you're when you're building an obelisk you're just placing block on top of block on top just making a single block tower and if you're the tallest then you get the most points right you have the tallest obelisk kind of thing um and each 
kind of port scores differently like that. So it's very simple. It plays in like 20, 30 minutes. I think it's an excellent pickup if you're like looking for something that's in the gateway game realm, kind of playing in that 20, 30 minute. Like, what, I, like I looked up a rule video just to kind of refresh myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the rule video was three minutes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like that's, that's all it takes. You're like, on your turn, you place on a boat. Okay, let's explain what the ports do. Here's how the ports <laughs> score. That's actually the game. <laughs> okay. The game's pretty much done. There's like some action card things that kind of mess with some stuff, uh, but they're not super complicated. It's really just kind of implementing kind of a twist on the game. Um, so, and like, you know, ancient Egypt, it's a great theme. The components aren't like excellent. You're just getting like basically wooden blocks and that's like your player piece, right? But it's kind of cool to see that like you are actually literally physically building a pyramid. You're physically building an obelisk, some stuff like that. It's so it has kind of that 3D graphic going on. So I, I don't know. That's, that's cool. Yeah. It, yeah, it sounds really cool. I've never actually played it, so. Okay, cool. It, sounds, it was yeah, it the simplest worker placement I could think of. <laughs> okay. Because all you do is place your worker on a boat and then if you are, if you're the one who fills the boat, you get to decide where it goes. And then that affects scoring and that's all that happens kind of thing. That's interesting. I did have yeah. a hard time coming up with simple worker placements. Right. It sort of takes engine building out of worker placement. Okay. Because you're not building an engine. You're just placing yeah. your workers and scoring directly. So it kind of takes that middleman out, which is why I thought it was a good recommendation for like the simple worker placement. Cool. I like it. Yep. What's, uh, what's your mech rating for it? Yeah. I was talking about how it's a pretty simple game. I, I did look it up. BGG has it at 2.0 on the complexity. So very simple game. Wow. Yeah. That is really simple. Yeah. Mechanics, I had it at a six. It, it's kind of just, it's doing what it's doing and it does it well. So that, that puts it at a six. A seven on the experience because I do enjoy the game. Um, 7.5 on the components because I, I just, I, that's actually weighted high for me. I love ancient Egypt. That's like one of my favorite <laughs> okay, yeah. like themings, you know? Yeah. So that's like, that's biasing it high a little bit for me. Okay. That's fair. Because the construction is not complicated. It's not bad, but it just doesn't need to be a lot. So it's fine. Um, and then that brings the overall to a 6.8. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So that is my simple rating. What's yours? So my, uh, my, my low complexity recommendation is a game that I enjoyed but my wife didn't, so we no longer have it. Uh, Aww, <laughs> um, sad. Yeah. I and I think I enjoyed it because I could see what it could be. But I, I understand gotcha. the. Is it called Blood Rage? No, it's, <laughs> it's that's not a worker place. But it is <laughs> a game that people love, and it's Everdell. Oh, I have really wanted to try Everdell. Everdell is because super I think interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. I think there are some people in my life that would really enjoy it, and so I've wanted to pick it up and try it. Yeah, you like the one problem is is you will want to eat all the components, but I mean outside of that. Because it's like little berries and like oh, okay, so nice. Everdell is like if you ever read the Redwall series, um, it's kind of like, did yeah they're on the shelf behind <laughs> yeah, you right yeah. there. There's like ten of them. Yeah, perfect. So it, it like you're creating uh, a, a city for like um, for like woodland creatures, woodland creatures. Yeah. yeah, and like it has an awesome table presence because like the deck of cards uh, sits in like this giant like three dimensional tree that you set up, which is actually like pretty obnoxious, but it <laughs> looks amazing. Basically, it's played out over multiple different ages i think they're seasons they're okay. played out over different seasons but it has a worker placement tableau building element gotcha so you're taking action you're taking worker placement actions and you get more workers as you progress through the seasons and like you're taking actions to get resources to play cards which help you some of the cards actually have more actions on them okay that like there there are actions that i can play in front of me that you can actually take, which is kind of interesting. I oh, just that get is a benefit for that. Yeah. So you're you're increasing the actions. It, it's yeah. I really like when I think a lot of worker placements do that, but not all. But like just increasing the action pool, right? Making the yeah. game more complicated yep. by increasing the number of actions that you could take in your after action drafting turn. I think so. We we had it. I bought it at Gen Con, yeah. and I bought the first expansion with it. I never actually played the first first expansion because we just bought it. It was like a deal if we bought the two of them together. Sure. But now I think there are. 
four expansions. There's okay. a lot of expansions. I was going to say, I know of at least three. Yeah. There, I mean, there, it's, a, it's a significantly hefty game now, so you can add on to it. So if you like... Okay, cool. What, what the cool thing is, is like everything that you add is adding complexity to the game not necessarily more options okay and so it's a very upgradable game so the low complexity you can bring people into it and then start adding things to it which i thought was kind of cool that is yeah that makes for Um, a good recommendation there yeah but yeah so it it was it was interesting the the problem that my wife had with it is that there are some cards in it it's like if you have um i think it was the husband and the wife in your tableau you get like benefits but the deck of cards is really big, and it's like hard to find both of them. Gotcha. And so, gotcha. Kind of subject to randomness a little bit there. Yeah, there yeah. was. Which I think if we played it a little bit more and we started to understand the deck, I think it would get better. But it's also like we're kind of looking at it, and it's like it's lighter than what we like, and it's like True. if we're gonna pick up a game and play something like this, we're gonna play something else. Gotcha. Yeah. And like randomness can help with lighter games, right? That they yeah. they're yeah, helpful absolutely. for newer players typically because there's this kind of like swing of power going on. Um, and so it kind of lessens the importance of individual decisions, which makes it more comfortable to play as like a newer player. But it also means that like for someone who plays a lot of worker placements like yourself, a lot of engine builders like yourself, I could see it kind of losing some of its shine. It's a good one. So cool. mechanics, I had it at a six, mainly because of the, the the few times that I played, I was still working through that deck and trying to figure mm-hmm. all of that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think it was interesting. The mechanics that I thought was interesting is the way that you got more workers is you progress to the next age. Okay. And then you got a new worker. But there's nothing stopping. Like, it could end up so that I finish and you get to take seven more turns. Like, oh, very it is, cool. It's very dictated on when you want to progress. And so, huh. like, it kind of... It, That's it's, pretty rare. It is very rare. And it worked out well. Like, I, th- I, cool. thought it was, I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. And it was one of those, like, we talked about in the engine building where it's like, we played the first two turns of that game and, like, this game is going to be horrible like nothing's happening and then by oh, the yeah. end you're like oh i'm doing so much I'm like oh so my. i'm so powerful yeah, yeah. exactly Very cool uh experience at a 6.5 components at a nine um, I, every time i hear a review of this game everyone says that yeah like components just knock it out of the park it, they say it's oh, gorgeous yeah. it, it, it's amazing it cool. is amazing yeah um and that brings the overall to a 6.6 anything that has a 3d tree in the middle <laughs> of the board <laughs> yeah. deserves a high component ranking. yeah exactly yeah yep Very so cool. great recommendation yeah Snake draft time, so it's your go. Yep. So my medium recommendation, and this is skirting the edges of high. I I will go okay. ahead and say that is Zolkin. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Zolkin is, it's a actually a fairly okay. So it's a simple game to understand, but it's a hard game to master. Gotcha. And so Zolkin is those a, make good medium recommendations then, right? Yeah. It has a low barrier to entry. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it really doesn't have that many rules. It's just that there are a lot of actions action spaces that you can take gotcha. which means that there are a lot of rules like yeah i like, hear you all you're doing on your turn is you are placing workers on these gears so there there are five gears around the board and then there's a sixth gear that turns all the other gears yeah and so the gears are different sizes and you place the worker you place any number of workers if you place more than one you have to start paying for sure. multiple workers but you place the worker on the lowest available slot on any one of the five gears mm-hmm or you can pick up your worker. And when you pick up your worker, you get to take the action where that worker has been picked up from. And so as you, the longer you leave the workers on your gears, it every turn the gear, the center gear rotates, which moves your workers to a better action. Mm. So it's a timing game, gotcha. but you have to do one of those. You have to place or you have to pick up. Gotcha. So if you place all of your workers, 
next turn you have to pick up no matter where they're at. Yeah. You can pick up all of them. You can pick up one of them. You can pick up as many of them as you want. But it's a, it's like a really interesting timing game. And it takes a lot of like strategic thought to say, oh, okay, in five turns, I need to take this oh, action. That would be so hard, yeah. yeah. I need to invest now so that I can I need claim to invest that. now. Yeah. And I think you start out with three workers, and you can get more workers through one of the actions on the dial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a really well-done implementation of worker placement. Gotcha. And it does have you know the first player token where every round you add a corn, which is the food resource. So okay. a lot of these games you have to like feed your workers, so that's kind of like the limiting factor of – getting more workers is right. you have to feed them. Right. And so um, you add a token to the middle and if you have a food token to the middle and if you take first player, you get to take all of the tokens on the middle. Gotcha. And so it gets better and better. So you may want to start taking that. And, but every single year acts differently and you have to plan out. It's like, Ooh, I need to build this monument, which is going to score me a lot of points at the end of the game. Yeah. I need to upgrade these technologies. I need to worship and I need to get food. And then there's like the generic one, mm-hmm. which like, you know, one of the actions on the generic one is I can, you can pay amount of food to take any action on any other. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. it's like, it, it gets kind of like, there, there are a lot of options. There's a gotcha. really good player aid. Oh, cool. For, on board game. Geek, I think that can be really, helps. really important for these games that have different types of actions that kind of relate in different ways. And you're like, how do I, you know, how do I understand it? Just having that kind of cheat sheet can be very important. No, yeah. Or they have to have like just good symbology, but not all games are good at coming up with like iconography that makes sense. Yeah. So, and I just, well, not just, I, I have not played with the, the expansion. I just bought the expansion, which adds variable player powers. Oh, nice. So, Love yeah, that. So it's the same people who did Teotihuacan yeah. and Voyages of Marco Polo. Right. Which Voyages of Marco Polo, the, the iconic thing about that is like these game-breaking player powers. Mm-hmm. And Teotihuacan, the first expansion gave, you know, gods or, yeah, I think there are gods where they are, uh, they give you player powers. Same thing with Zulkin. Yeah. So very cool. Yeah. There's also this game came up several episodes ago. We had an icebreaker talking about yeah best what's board. Yeah, yeah best board in, in a board game, and this one was your uh, answer to that. Just because the gear turning is like yeah unparalleled. Oh yeah, right. Just completely uh, unique in that yeah, sense. So absolutely. Yeah, we, we keep like that game keeps coming up when we hang out. Of like maybe we should play Zulkin, and then like we just come up with something else, and it like edges out. And I'm like I'm really sad that I haven't played Zulkin yet. Next time. We don't say anything else. We're we're playing Zulkin next. Next time, time we ask a question of what are we going to play, it's automatically yeah. Zulkin. Yep. I like it. I'm all, I'll, I'll I'm bring it up one of these days that we're not recording. Yeah, we'll, that we'll sounds great. It. I'm excited. We'll play it. So, uh, what's your mech rating for Zulkin? So mechanics have it in nine, um, mainly because it is gears. Um. Oh yeah, and that's <laughs> <laughs> that's a mechanism. <laughs> no, but like it, it's simple and complex at the same time, and just the timing of it all, mm-hmm. and then like. Another one, one of the other mechanisms is if you've passed an action space, you can pay corn to take a previous action. Okay. So like if you leave it on too long, you mm. can pay your food, your resource to take an action that you've already passed. Pretty cool. If it's three before you pay three food, which is pretty detrimental. Yeah. But I mean, it's, just, it's clean. It is cool. just clean. I like it. Yep. Uh, experience have it at an eight. Yep. And I think that will go up more that I understand everything. Sure. And components I have at an eight. And I really like the theme. The board is amazing, but your workers are like cylinders. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like yeah, because you use a little work. Yeah. And cubes and stuff. At least they won't fall over. Yeah, you know? <laughs> they, they won't fall over. <laughs> when you like... turn everything. That that must have been something they had to consider, right? Yeah. Like, there's going to be physical movement of the board. Like, how many board games do you know that there is 
physical movement of the board, yep. you know? Yep. And they, they do fit really well into the gears. Cool. So, um, so that brings the overall to an 8.4. That's like fairly highly ranked yep. amongst that, your yep. that is, Mac ratings. That is one of, that's in the top 10. Easily. Yeah. Easily easy. in the top 10. Very cool. What about you? What's your medium recommendation? I like it. So my medium recommendation is the Castles of Burgundy. Oh, such a good game. It's such yes. a good game. One uh, or two. What do you mean one or two? They just put out a new version. No way. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they put out the, the 50th anniversary. No, it's not 50th. <laughs> I think it's five the, year anniversary or something. No, I think they put out the 10, 10 year anniversary. Very cool. Yeah. Anyway, That's why it was sorry. on my mind though. Um, <laughs> when I answered earlier talking about, Oh uh, yeah. Burgundy. yeah. I was like, yeah. I know that when I looked it up Yeah. Um, because, uh, because I knew I was going to recommend it here. And I think I actually think of castles of Burgundy as being more complex than it actually is. Like I was considering it as a high complexity game. I think it's because it, besides twilight Imperium, which was my, which was my <laughs> gateway game. <laughs> besides that it, it comes, it was like one of the more complicated games that I played like early on where I like, I kind of yeah. learned it and yep. it was like, wow, there's a lot in this game. Um, but it's sort of like wide and flat. I think it's like Zulkin in that way. And I think maybe worker placements just kind of lend themselves to like wide and flat in complexity. Yeah. Right. Yeah, where there's a lot so. of options, but none of them are hard. Yep. You just have to learn them all. And it's, it kind of feels that way. But it's also the first uh, game I think we've talked about tonight where your your workers can only go in a specific spot kind of. Right. So a lot of worker placements that we've talked about already, um, you just have like a set of like X number of workers, four, five, ten workers and they can go into any worker placement spot to take any action that isn't true for the castles of burgundy because you're placing dice right so you're kind of like rolling these dice and these are the dice one through six um that you can place as a part of your uh turn and so that means that there's kind of this extra element of like i am placing my workers to take specific actions to get certain types of victory points or a certain build going on my board i'm having to deal with the dice that i have right i'm having to make kind of the best decision and so it kind of narrows your field of actions that you can take which is why i think it kind of comes out of a high complexity and becomes more simple is because you're like forced there's only a, a certain number of actions yeah. that you can take right because yep. these are the dice you have um there isn't action in a game and a lot of like worker placement that are dice games have an element that allows you to mess with the number, right? That's very common for dice placement games in general, but it does have that. It has like these little, I think they call them workers, which is confusing. Yeah, they're worker tiles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gets the terms a little confuddled, but just lets you treat the die as if it's like plus or minus one kind of thing, yep. right? It doesn't sound like a lot until you think about like, oh, plus or minus one is now like a range of three and that's half of the die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. And you can use multiple workers on a single die. If you until, really need until you need a five and you roll two threes. Yeah. And Which then, happens way more than you would think. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't remember. Can you go around? Like, can a one yeah. be a six? Yep. Yeah. Okay. But there's a, it, it has a set collection feel where like the different types of tiles score slightly differently. So if you're collecting like the farmland tiles, then like the number of sheep on them affects how they score or there's, there's, and then there's also kind of like a first player grab mechanic where when you grab the like the rivers or the boat tiles the or whatever, boat, yeah, 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 that like kind of affects how when you go first and that sort of thing. So it has like that feel. It, it, I think it just fits really well as like an upgraded worker placement. But when you look at it the first time, I don't think it looks like a worker placement. It looks like an engine builder. Yeah, probably. I definitely don't. I did not think of that as a worker placement as shown in the Face Off Friday. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's in that's a top twenty game that I skipped over. I was like, that's not a worker placement. But it's like when you explain it, it's like, yeah, that is a worker placement. You're Absolutely. you're taking actions and making those actions less valuable for other people to take later. But it, it is a quote action drafting, right? Where I'm having to like I, I'm having to select between multiple kind of available actions that I could take with this like one die or whatever. 
the only thing that we always complain about. It, it has to be said if we say castles of Burgundy, <laughs> it has to be said that it should have been space stations of Maroon. <laughs> right? The yeah. theming is awful. Yeah, the uh, those those early two thousand games just killed the theme just killed the theme. <laughs> i mean just like just took it knocked into a it out of the back park. alley oh, oh oh we're going different directions. different types of kill yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will spoil that my components rating is a 3.5 um and <laughs> that's higher than i thought yeah okay. yeah <laughs> um so let's go let's go through the mech rating yeah and so i have mechanics at an 8.5 and i think if i played it more and understood it a little better that may edge up to a nine but i think that's probably about where it needs to be because they, they work very well together, even the different tiles and different like ways of scoring because they come onto your like single board. They have like a synergy to them and they make sense. And it's a very satisfying game to kind of play through. Even when you lose, you get to the end and you're like, okay, I felt like I, I, felt like I did stuff that had made sense and had synergy and, and I accomplished something here. Um, experience, I have at a seven. I think a lot of our experiences land there for like, I like playing that game. You know? <laughs> yeah. I would never be upset to play that game. Yeah, like exactly. Instead of seven. Um, and then components 3.5. It's not just the theme. I'm bashing on the theme, but it's not just the theme. It is like the artwork. <laughs> it's bad. It, yeah, it just has a lot of gaps. Um, I would be interested to look at least like look at the revised version. I don't know if they f- they can't fix the theme. Hot take: the revised version looks worse. Oh no! I, I how could they? I think I think a lot of people think it looks a lot better. I don't like it. Have you like physically seen it or just yeah. pictures? Yeah, you I've physically fi- seen I've it. I physically seen it. Wow. It's just like and. I think the artwork is technically better. It's just harder to see what it is. Oh, that's right. That was the one thing it had going for it. <laughs> like it had like six distinct colors of the tiles and you yeah. knew what they were. And those are still there, but they're just like more vibrant, which makes them blend together more, I think. Wow. And then the boards are harder. I Yeah, I, I don't like the revised version. <laughs> if I had to pick, the only reason I would pick the revised version is that one of the things in Castles of Burgundy is everyone's player mat is different. So where yeah. you're placing is different. For sure. And they have some- Which really, adds a bunch of replayability that yeah. buys into that uh, that experience element. For oh, sure. absolutely. Yeah. But one of the things that the new, the revised version adds is player mats where your land is not connected. And I'm pretty Ooh. sure the mechanic is you have to buy a boat to get to, to the To get next across. Land. That would be kind of neat. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise they're kind of like an island or something. Yeah. Or like a territory or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, so overall that brings me to a 6.8. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's up to you to start up with our high complexity game. I don't think I'm going to steal it from you. I actually think this might be a game you haven't played. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so my high uh, recommendation would high complexity recommendation would be Lewis and Clark the Expedition. I have not played that. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Is it similar to Marco Polo? I don't know. I haven't played Marco Polo. <laughs> well, it's I don't not, know. It's, it's just people. Yeah, right. Just people <laughs> who are explorers. Yeah, so yeah, it must I... be similar. Um, no, Lewis and Clark. Um, so the idea is like you are, you're leading an expedition. And so you physically have a mat that has boats, uh, like canoes and stuff. And, and your your boats have different sizes to them. And as you like sort of like canoe down like the rivers or whatever on your expedition to like go west, you have to, you have to like place resources that you have gathered in the game physically on the boats on your board. And like oh, take okay. them with you. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then like the more um, full they get, the longer it takes for you to, or like the more boats you use and stuff, the longer it takes for you to like set up camp. And that's okay. an important mechanic okay. because the setup camp is sort of like your, we, we've talked about how we really like games where the, what do you want to call it? The, the phase where you kind of reset it, the reset phase or whatever yeah. you want to call that. Yeah. Um, the mythos phase. Yeah. The mythos phase. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's Elder Tor. Yeah. yeah. Um, that phase where like kind of everything like resets and you pick up your cards or whatever, where that happens at different time for different people. And and cool. so that happens okay, in this yeah. game where like the more you're bringing with you, the longer it takes for you to do that. And so that kind of like offsets. And, and so you end up in these situations where you're setting up camps at like different times and stuff. You're like totally out of sync, which is just like really fun to play through. 
And the goal is to like get to like the West Coast. And so the way that you do that is you like send your scout forward. And there's like mechanisms for like sending your scout forward, which is actually like a physical piece like on this track. Um, cool. And that's going from like St. Louis, where they started out, to like the West Coast. And the farther you send your scout out, the farther you can end your camp. Except for the longer it takes you for you to set up camp, thematically, your scout starts running out of food and has to turn around and come back. <laughs> <laughs> so he has to like come back to yeah. the camp. So he actually backtracks. And so if you're taking, you're bringing more stuff with you, you can send your scout out as far as you want. You can send about like, you know, eight spaces, but then you have to backtrack him <laughs> like seven, right? Okay. And so your camp only moves one space Interesting. forward. Interesting, okay. And your, the goal is yeah, to move your really camp cool. forward. Yeah. yeah, really, really cool. There's a mechanism where you're actually, you kind of get people on your expedition and they have like kind of these like special actions and you actually can dedicate workers to them like that's how you like it's like an action that now i can only take because i spent the time to buy this like action those. card yeah, yeah i like that mechanism yeah it comes from a river right that you're drafting okay, these yeah, cards yeah. out of a river okay. um, and then you're dedicating workers to them but if you don't want to do that that card flips over and it can be used as a worker Oh, cool. In addition to other workers that you have, which is a little bit of racism here. It's like Native Americans, right? Yeah. Like those yeah, are your yeah. workers. Common <laughs> for this like theme. Not really okay, but like it's what it's yeah. what they went with. But and so you kind of like use actions in a combination of like these Native American like meeples plus like cards from your hand kind of thing. Um, but once you've like used that, you no longer can use that action until you've set up your camp and kind of pick all your cards up, right? Cool. So that action's gone. Okay. Kind of thing. And so, and then there's like, there's a cool mechanic where you can like do actions multiple times. The more workers you dedicate to them in like a single turn and that sort of thing. I just thought it worked really well. I thought the theming was excellent. The, the cards that are like people that you're drafting, they're actual people. They have like a, they have like historical relevance and they have like a backstory that's, I, I think it's printed in the rule book of like, here's who this person actually was. Right. Um, so like the theming just like knocks it out of the park in that sense. It's, it's also like this great American story, right. Of like Lewis and Clark. Yeah. Um, taking advantage of Native Americans, apparently. To, oh, to like, that's to rough. quest to the West <laughs> or whatever. But I just, I, I really liked it for those reasons. I thought it had like really, it, it, it is at its core, it's a worker placement game, but it adds in, it adds in mechanics that add to the game, but they don't lose the fact that it is at its core kind of a worker placement game. I think it really succeeds there. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I've seen it. I like I've seen it. I don't. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, it's in the like hundreds somewhere. Okay. Like it's not like top one hundred yeah. BGG. It's like yeah. down at like that's cool. four hundred or something. But I played it. I played it and I just I really loved it. Yeah, I need to try that one. Yeah, absolutely. So, mech rating for this game. So I had seven point five for mechanics. Like I said, I think it just it kind of meets um, with all these mechanics coming together to kind of make this fluid game without losing the fact that it is a at its core kind of losing who it is as a worker placement game. Experience I had at a seven, and the only reason I ranked it there is because when I've played it, I played it with two, and I think it goes up to five, and I'm worried that it would have too much downtime. Oh, okay. Yeah. Five, you know, because you are yep. taking turns one at a time. So I, I before that was where I just kind of put it, and I would have to kind of reevaluate playing at higher player counts to to move it off of that seven. Components I had it at a nine. Like I said, I, I thought I just absolutely knocked it out of the park with components. Um, so overall, that lands me into seven point six. Nice. My high recommendation, and so I I have sitting on my shelf of shame um i have the gallers <laughs> and on mars which are two uh yeah. tall asserta's amazing top games that are worker placement so i reserve yeah. my right to change once i actually get those off of the shelf of shame okay. once i actually play on them. mars is like a 4.6 complexity yeah. or something yeah like and i think the gallers is like a 4.3 okay yeah. um yeah no they're, they're hefty and then also like i i we I already used up underwater cities in the engine building, but so, yeah, like I, I just want to say we that, did the same with viticulture. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, those are phenomenal worker placement games, but we're trying not to repeat. So yeah, I, just yeah, so I have to pick something there. else. Yeah, yeah. And so my uh, my high complexity uh, recommendation is Agricola. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, so Agricola, we've talked about it a lot. That's the kind of one that we referenced a lot earlier in the episode, so I won't go too much into detail about it. But the one thing that we didn't really talk about was the non-worker placement aspect of the game. Okay. So you're taking actions on the common board, but then your uh, your personal board is kind of you're building out your farm, your personal farm, and yeah. so it has like a spatial element too, where you I think it's a three by five, maybe a three by six grid mm-hmm. that you're working on. And uh, you have to build your house, you have to build your stables, your pastures, your plant your crops there. Uh-huh. And they get, once you place it, it can never be moved. And so there's, there's a lot of the timing and uh, strategic aspects that go into where you want to put all of that on your board. Yeah. And so that, that I think actually BGG has uh, Zolkin and Agricola right around the same weight. Okay. Um, I think that Agricola is a little bit heavier on the rule side, which is why I put it in the high complexity. Okay. I don't think I don't necessarily equate low, medium, and high complexity with weight. Sure. Because like I think we've talked about on BGG Go is a really high weight, where it's yeah. a very simple game. Yeah. And I so, also fa- yeah, and I was about to say I found Agricola punishing. Oh no, absolutely. I found it, it to be brutal. brutal. Yeah. yeah. Just it, it was like I like I I like so, like your wife did something, and I was like. Oh, that's what I should have done. And then I felt the effects of that for the rest of the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, I messed up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, it is a very punishing game, and it's a game that very clearly rewards multiple plays. Mm. Um, yeah. Because you kind of understand but what's going on. But it, it, it is really interesting where new actions come out, and the new actions are randomized in a certain, like, the stage th- six cards are always the same but the way that they come out are always random yeah and so it, yeah you know it, a little it, bit of like randomness meets like predictability kind of i think it is the highest like complexity game that i've ever played three times in one day that's saying something yeah, yeah. so because it, i guess it's a good point it doesn't take hours and hours and hours to play yeah i think i think we average an hour 45 two hours to play with two with two with yeah, two with yes. two yeah, yeah with two we played, yeah, I remember me and my wife played it three times back to back to back. That's incredible. I think it was on a Friday, too. Like, it wasn't even like, we're just like, okay, let's just, you want to play again? Yeah. Let's do yeah, it. I do. Yeah, I mean, it's a great game, and it's it's one of the classic. It is. It's a classic. Yeah, games. it's worth, it's worth, you you should, if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in high, you absolutely need to play the game at least once, if not just buying it and owning it. Yeah. Like it, it deserves a spot on the shelf, for it, sure. It definitely does. And it will get its money's worth. Yep. So for uh, mechanics, I had an 8.5. Fantastic mechanics. Uwe is amazing. Experience, I had a, an 8. And then what actually brought it down was the components, which I had at a 4. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it probably earned. It has very simple pieces, right? Like very not... simple pieces. Artwork, theming isn't really there. I also uh, do yeah. have the... Um, you're building a farm. It's not exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, rural farming. Yeah. Um, I and I do have the. I, it's not the. I don't remember the publisher, but it's not the Mayfair version. And okay. Mayfair kind of upgraded the components a little bit. Okay. Where like the the vegetables look like pumpkins and like yeah. it looks like wheat, whereas mine are just like disc. Yeah. Um, which like functionality Colored doesn't really disc, matter. Yeah. But well, but it's the same thing with like the cards that you get, right? Like yeah, that are like. There's an opportunity for theming here for components here that just wasn't taken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's a very simple picture. It, it it looks like a bad version of like the American Gothic. You know, like with, where it's like <laughs> yeah. the dude with the pitchfork and the wife, and there's a farm in the background. Yeah. Like that's what it looks like. Pretty like, much, yeah. And that's a very famous painting. Like there's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like that doesn't typically bother me. Like components aren't the huge, which is why it's only rated at ten percent for me, right? So I can rate something really low in components, and it's not going to affect the overall rating that much. Yeah. But that brings the overall rating to a seven point eight. 
So it's almost at that coveted 8.0 threshold. Yeah. But I mean, it's a it's a great game, and I think where it turns very green on our spreadsheet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Very uh, cool. Got anything else you want to bring up on the worker placement topic? No, I think I'm good. Do you have anything? No, no, I don't. I just wanted to uh, do my standard plug of all the social media. So <laughs> we're we're pretty much out there on anywhere that you can contact us on. Uh, that's not true. You can't contact us anywhere on the internet. Most of the common places you can contact us, we are on the internet. Um, so like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, we have our website, which the show notes will be on, which kind of run through all of this, and that's fantasyandsomefights.com. Yep. And so if you and heard then, a game that you liked and you can't remember what it was called, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, we, we ran through a good, decent bit of games. Decent bit one. of games, yeah, absolutely. The website also has a link to our Discord. Yeah. To join good, us yeah. there. Um, we talk about board games. We talk about books. We talk about the things that come out on the episode. We talk about things that are going on in people's lives and what they're trying and share stuff. So it's a really good community. If you want to join us and talk with us, we're on it every day. So it's yeah. really easy to reach out to us and hear our <laughs> thoughts on stuff. We're doing trades on there now. Yeah, we're doing so trades on there. There's a there's a channel set up for trades. So yep. it yeah, it's a, it's a really cool, it's a budding community. I, I, for sure. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, so if you don't have anything else, I'm not skipping anything, right? No, I think cool. okay, we yeah. have gotten through <laughs> our outline of what we need to cover in a Perfect. podcast. Yeah, go team. Go team. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Thanks, guys.